oh yeah. How appropriate is this to feel this song? This is the end. Beautiful It's BT with the uh, Tales from a Gemini podcast, although my partner here hates me saying podcast. But uh, I thought this song was so appropriate, especially the way it looks outside. Right now, it's kind of overcast. It's kind of cold. And it just feels this way, man, especially with this virus going on. I'm not going to lie. I talk a lot of shit about, you know, I'm all happy and this and that, and I don't need anybody. But, man, if my roommate is not there, she's at her lake house with her son, I'm not going to lie, man. There's some days I don't even want to wake up. <laughs> I mean, I just lay in bed and I go, what's the purpose of me being on this earth? I mean, not, not, not even trying to get through that day, but I go, what's the purpose of me being on this earth? Am, am I contributing? I mean, I mean, I, I can't say I'd off myself, but it's like, uh, I just lay there going, why, why even get out of bed? And, and so when I heard that song, I go, I was just laying in bed and I heard, I go, you know what? This is going to be the perfect intro to my song. I mean, to my show. So that's why I played that. I thought it was appropriate. I don't know if you did or not. I mean, yeah. you think so? Yeah, yeah man. I, I know you don't know. I talk to my producer, Wyatt. And I love Wyatt, by the way, man. This guy's 19, killing it in life. Killing it. And, uh, and I tell you how much I take your advice. I'm, I'm never one of those people that dismisses people because they're younger. Like, you don't know anything, you young whippersnapper or whatever, you know. So I listen to you. And here's what I did. And I, I, I saved this for the air. And Wyatt was telling me, he goes, you heard this guy called the Iceman? And I go, no. He goes, well, this is the guy, you got, he takes cold showers. And I go, okay, so I've been taking a cold shower ever since last Wednesday when I did this show. I've taken a cold shower every day since then. Matter of fact, I haven't taken a hot shower since. I take nothing but cold showers. And it's supposed to help you with your immune systems. Uh, some, and some say it helps you lose weight. I don't know how it is. But it helps you lose weight. It's good for injuries or whatever. I think that's more soaking in an ice bath. But they still say cold showers. If you direct a shower head to your injury, it helps you with that. Lowers your uh, blood pressure and everything. Uh, I will say this. I don't take long showers anymore. I will say that. And you got to have a mental like, okay, okay. And I just get in and I, I literally go, ah, and I scream. And I take and I go, okay. And the water hits me. And I don't take long showers anymore, but I've been t- I've taken nothing but cold showers since I talked to you because I took your advice. And I don't know if I'm more alert mentally, but you do wake up. I will give you that. You do wake up like, huh. I mean, you're all there. You take a cold shower and I, and I, and I don't get graphic, but your sack just goes, your sack literally like tightens up. Like, I don't, I don't know how old you are. If any old men are listening, maybe 70s, why are you listening to me if you're in your 70s? I have no idea. I don't know if I'd listen to me in my last days, but if you're listening, but if you're listening to me and you and your balls are hanging, take a cold shower. I feel like I'm 20 again. I mean, they're tight, tight. And I don't know if I like it or not, but I, I do know I take cold showers and I'm not in there very long. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm alert. And uh, I usually shave my head in the shower and uh, that goes really quick. Also, I mean, everything is really quick. I mean, my shower is no longer than maybe seven or eight minutes. I mean, but I'm in it by immerse myself. And it does help you mentally because if you can get through that mentally, you can do anything. And you just got to go and, and like like the Marines say, you got to embrace the suck yeah. and you got to go. OK, but but I will say this. I'm not going to lie, man. When it got cold yesterday, yesterday was in the 30s. I think it got high. I was maybe 42, 43. I literally was like, OK, I'm, I, I got to take a shower. I got to take a shower. And I, I, I put that shower off for like 30 minutes to, to an hour. I go, OK, I got to take a shower. I, I do. I go, okay, I got to, okay, I'm going to do it. So you go in and take a shower. But, man, I can't say I like it, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm not going to puss out, man. I'm going to keep doing the cold cold water treatment. And I, that's why I listen to Wyatt, man. I mean, honestly. And, that's, and, that, and that, I think, honestly, is why I'm doing something like this, man. It's like, I, I just, like I said, I've always loved the young energy. I always listen, and I listen to you guys and whatever, and I like that, man. Because I think if you hang around people your age after a while, it just gets so fucking boring. It's like everything is like, man, we getting old, man. Man, shut the fuck up. Everything's like, man, I, I, who does that say? I don't got my reading glasses. Well, you know, I mean, it just happens. I mean, I don't know, man. I just I, I, I just like life and like until this virus came, and now I'm like, I don't know if I like life anymore. <laughs> Maybe this is going to be it. So anyway, so welcome to the uh, Tales from a Gemini podcast. This is me all the way. I'm a Gemini, so you got to watch me because I'll be talking about something else and boom, and then I'm talking about another topic and you're like, does this guy even have a plan on what he wants to talk about? But I do. And this one really hit close to home, what I'm talking about. And I don't know if you guys watch the... um, uh, the Kyle Larson controversy. Kyle Larson is a uh, NASCAR driver, 
And uh, they had the, uh, they do this virtual racing, you know, virtual racing. And uh, so they put the screen up and they show all the drivers. And Kyle Larson goes, uh, hey, can you hear me? And nobody said anything. He goes, hey, nigger. And he said it like that. And then there was a pause. And then his buddy goes, hey, hey, bud, uh, everybody can hear you, Kyle. And then another guy goes, uh, did, he, did you just hear that? He goes, yep. And then, and then another guy said the whitest thing ever. He goes, yikes. I mean, when he said yikes, that, to me, that was the whitest thing ever. Somebody says yikes. I've been black a long time, and I've never heard any brother go yikes. I mean, only only whiter if he would have said egad. You know what I mean? And I thought, and, and it's been a big controversy because you got to admit, sports is kind of uh, taking a backseat because there's, there's no sports. So you got to watch all replays and everything. But I thought that, and that's been kind of the controversy. And of course, people people who don't know racing, especially black people who don't know racing, who live on either in New York or L.A., they always, I mean, you don't know NASCAR. All you know is, oh, they're based in the South, good old boys, this and that, and, you know, of course he said nigger man's from the South. First of all, he was from California. He's half Japanese. Um... And so, yeah, if you don't know it, just shut up. Please shut up. I mean, but listen, I've, I've always been one of the people, and this is, this, is, this is the Gemini in me. I listen to both sides of everything. I really do. I try to listen to both sides, and I sometimes I give people the benefit of the doubt. Now, the intent, the intent of what he said, I mean, I, I just don't know why he did that. Because he goes, you know, can you hear me? He heard it, and he goes, hey, nigger. Why would, not even a hey, nigger, like, you know, like he's like being cool, like, hey, what's up, nigger? I never knew why white guys, and you know, you know, he's half white, whatever. But why? I just never understood why they would want to say that. I, the infatuate. It's like they're infatuated with that word or everything about. I like. I just. I, I never understood that. that that's one, uh, something that. I, and you can't really have a, a an honest conversation about race with more than two people. Because after that, people want to interject, and then they want to get their point in, and then everybody's screaming at each other, and you never get an honest conversation. One of the greatest conversations ever. And man, I wish I would have. Uh, I gotta find this on YouTube, but it was with Chad Reed who races Supercross and motocross. Chad Reed, I love Chad Reed. He's Australian, and I think his grandparents are. Uh, one of his grandparents, I think, is uh, Aboriginal. He's got Aboriginal blood in him, which is basically black if you're in the United States. And he talked about that because James Stewart, who was a black a supercrosser, and they they they've been rivals. They were rivals. They brought out the best in each other, man. And they were rivals. You get a chance to watch some of their YouTube clips, man. I mean, they go at it. I mean, I remember Chad Reed grabbing James Stewart by the neck and saying, Look, and they're talking with their helmets, and you can tell they're they're just really pissy with each other. And Chad gets in his face. And and honestly, if you're black, I'm just being honest. If you're black and you see that, you go, Oh man, that's some racing shit. But it's just racing, it's racing shit. It, it's two athletes together. And then, but they showed a YouTube clip of Chad talking, and Chad's like, listen, he goes, me and James's beef, that's racing beef, okay? He goes, what he went through, and, and Chad Reed knows, he goes, what he went through in the South, James, James Stewart's from Florida, and, growing, and, and the stories he heard where his father want, you know, wanted to race, and he didn't want to let him race, cause, just because they're black, they won't let him race, and, all, and Chad Reed knew the stories that James went through. I mean, even to this day, when they were racing in San Diego, somebody spit on, J on uh, James Stewart's father, spit in his face, and then they, and so Chad Reed knew that, and he goes, and he felt for him, and he goes, some of the stuff he went through, he goes, he really felt for him, but at the same time, they're racers, they're competing against each other, so there was that, that weird kind of, man, I wish we could talk about that, but I kind of hate you because you're a racer, and I'm trying to get to the same thing you're trying to get to, so... I've always, and I thought that was the most honest discussion on race ever I've ever seen. But granted, it was two white dudes talking. But still, I thought it was a great, honest discussion. And I, and I, I always respected Chad for that. And this discussion, I just couldn't, couldn't understand, honestly, why you would want to say the word. Like, like I always said, it's like you got, like, why? I, I don't know. I, I've, always, I've always been uh, perplexed, and I'll, I'll never get an honest answer on that. Like, I, I get it from the outside looking in. Yeah, being black looks cool from the outside looking in. And I'm a nerd. I mean, I've always, I was called white boy growing up because I like rock and roll and, and racing. And nobody liked that. I went to the stock. And my, this is how country I am. In my hometown, we had a, we had a prom in ninth grade. And, and our school was called middle school everywhere else. It was called junior high where I grew up. And it was seventh, eighth, and ninth. And if you were ninth grade, you were the shit because you were a freshman. So we had a freshman.
freshman prom and I skipped that and I skipped that to go to the stock car races. I wanted to go to watch stock car racing when I was when I when I was uh, 14 years old. I got to want to go to prom with the stock car races. And so everybody called me white boy. I listened to rock and roll music. I had white friends. And this is back in the 70s in Oklahoma. And that was kind of like a no no. So I was like, you know, so. I get the racing aspect, and trust me, I've heard nigger before. I mean, I, I, and that's not even at the start, you know, it's like you, you just hear the word. And when you're growing up, and that's just how it was. I mean, I just remember growing up, and this is a true story. This guy named, I remember, I, I'm not going to say his name, but we were, we literally sat next to each other in fifth grade. We literally sat next to each other, and we would trade Hot Wheels when we play together, and I swear to God, every recess, every recess, he and this guy named Edward Burton, Edward was black. It's Edward. So Edward, Edward was black. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. He would call Edward a nigger every recess and they would fight. But he would put up his dukes like this and Edward would hit him like three or four times and he realized he wouldn't punch him back and it was over. And then they go back to playing again. It was the weirdest shit in the world. So one day it was me and Gary were playing outside and Gary goes, you nigger. And it was like, all right, here we go. So he put up his dukes and I hit him like two times and nothing happened and we went back to playing again. And it was the weirdest shit in the world. And it's hard to say this and people don't understand this, but there was no animosity. It was just you when you when you grew up and the way I grew up, if you heard the word nigger by anybody other than by somebody black, okay, it was time to fight. Now when it was over, it was over. Especially in elementary. There's really no animosity in elementary. Like it's over, okay, and we go back to playing again. And the only thing I could figure out was. His dad told him, listen, son, listen, they're niggers, okay? Now you call them that, they're going to fight. When you put your hands up, and then when they throw a punch, and he, like, he got a phone call, and they go, hey, I'll be right back, son. And when he came back, he forgot to tell him the rest of the story. And that's the only thing I could summarize from that. And, and that's what Gary would always get his ass whooped, but, he'd all, but we'd go back to playing again. And to bring it full circle to this again, I never understood why that was always such a, like a – a thing with white guys that seem like they're so in fact like like I said outside, outside looking it looks cool being black like man I wish I could rap I wish I could do this you know maybe the slang talk you're two dude you're two brothers talking it does sound cool like man blah, 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 blah. I ain't gonna lie it does sound cool we just have a cool way of doing everything let's just be honest black people have a cool way of doing everything I think the LTD was the most horrible bland ugly car in the world have you ever seen you ever seen an LTD a car Wyatt it's the most ugliest car in the world. It's back in the 70s. Watching old 70s detective show. That's all it was on TV. Detective shows in the 70s. And they had a Ford LTD. The Ford LTD was just, it was like a block. It was like a block with tires. It looked like the Flintstones. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I know. The Ford LTD, yeah. Tell me, was that car not ugly? There was nothing. That car, even in that car's heyday, it was ugly. But if a black dude drove that car, you'd be like, you know what? I got to get me an LTD. I mean, that's, that's just what we do. We can make anything look good. And so I get that and the slang. But for some reason, I just don't understand why you would want to say Nick. But he said it with the hard ER. And I think that's what made people. Because here's what makes me mad about black people sometimes is that, like, we say we give uh, white dudes a pass or, you know, they're invited to the barbecue if they show a little flavor. You know what I mean? Like uh, like if they say Eminem. All right. Eminem is a cool dude. I like Eminem, but Eminem respects the game. So Eminem is kind of cool. You know, it takes up a black people, whatever. But so if, so if a, a white guy, if they feel a white guy has some flavor, oh, he gets a pass. And I, this is what it always pissed me off about black people. They go, OK, he can say nigga because he's whatever. Because he, he's cool. He's, you know, shows swag or whatever. And that's always pissed me off. But when they hear ER, then that's different. Now, he, I think if he goes he said can you hear me hey nigga like i think he would have got a pass but he said nigger like nigger and i think hearing nigger, just put a whole different spin on it and plus like i said it's nascar now, does that go in other sports you damn right it does let's just be honest here man and, and you know what sport gets a pass for that for being racist and i don't think nascar is racist and i think nascar has done a great job of uh of, of doing an image makeover if you watch Willie T. Ribs' uppity, they, they, he had death threats from trying to race NASCAR. Now they have a diversity program. They have you know, women racing. I think there's a black female team owner in one of the lower classes. And so NASCAR has done a great – they've done a 180. And they're really – it's like Germany. 
You know, Germany, let's be honest here, Germany had a really bad track record, and deservingly so. I mean, deservingly so. But what Germany did, how Germany turned it around. You got to give them credit. I give Germany a lot of credit. And that's what NAS NASCAR basically did at Germany, man. They go, you know, we don't want this, we don't want this anymore. They try to do away with the Confederate flag. They've done a lot of things, you know, to try to up their image. So don't say, oh, it's NASCAR. It's to be expected. No, it's not to be expected. I mean, I call it the Anne Frank in me, but I really think more people are more good than bad. And do I think Kyle Larson is a bad person? No, I just think I just don't understand why he said. And I just I wish I could get an interview with him and say, you know, fuck all this bullshit. The politically correct man. I'm just really sorry. I, I, I know this word is devastating to the African-American. And that apology really didn't sound like an apology. That apology sounded like, all right, I have to do this. Sorry, I called you nigger. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. That didn't seem like. Did you hear this apology? His apology sounded like he goes, sorry, I said nigger. I know that word has a lot of repercussions, and I'm sorry for the African-American community. Like, he really didn't say sorry. He didn't really seem contrite. Now he's out of a job, but he'll get a job next year. I mean, so, I don't know, man. But I really wasn't mad. I was like, eh, okay, eh. But I tell you, here's another sport that doesn't get the credit there is soccer. I don't know if you guys remember, and this is, this is how great life is. It was in it was this year. It was in Bulgaria. I don't know if you watched. It was England versus Bulgaria. Well, Bulgaria, I mean, some of those Eastern countries, Eastern Bloc countries are just racist. They're like one big ass Indiana. They're just really racist. Right. And so when the black players come out, they, they, they were literally given like like the Nazi sign, the Zig Heil sign. And they were showing, I think, the Nazi flag or Nazi salute. And they were calling the players mon monkeys doing bananas on the field. It got so bad. They had to stop the match twice. Stopped the match twice, and then, and this is what's great. England came back and whooped they ass six nil in soccer. Six nil is basically getting beat sixty to nothing in football. And all the players that scored were all the black players. How apropos was that? All the black, all the the three players they had, the three black players that England had, they all scored twice. It was beautiful. That is how you do it. That's how you defeat racism. That's real racism. When you give a Nazi salute, that's real racism. And it was, it, but it was like, it was like Bulgaria went old school. They're like, listen. We'll call the monkeys and we'll give the Nazi salute and that's what we will do. And there had to be one millennial from Bulgaria that, listen, guys, that's old school. Listen, we're the look, this is the new racism. What do you say we put about like 40, 50 heavy set white blonde girls in like the first 10 rows and like, you know, and like have them like show their tits. And so the black players are like, oh, man, look, she looks great, Dynamite. And then we'll win the game. We'll go, no, this is what we'll do. We'll give the Nazi salute and that's how we defeat the black guys. And like. Okay, whatever, and you see what happened. I mean, <laughs> that's it to a T. And I thought that was great. So with this, with this Kyle Larson game, I didn't want him to get fired. I really didn't. I didn't want him to get fired, but he did. He'll get a job again. And I just I always want, like I said, I always want to know, man, what is the fascination with them wanting to say nigger? Like it's like the fucking just say nigger. So I don't know. But anyway. I'm going to move on from that. Oh, and I was going to talk about sports. Man, I also watched this great documentary. Speaking of soccer, this great documentary on um, uh, Netflix called The Last Dance. Uh, it's about the Sutherland uh, uh, Soccer Club. Let me tell you something. Anybody who doesn't think that sports or, or, or professional athletes don't really care, you got to watch this documentary. It is great. It's two see. I watched season one. I watched the first two episodes of season two. Man, this almost got me crying. I mean, granted, I still am, I'm a sports fan in my heart. And I, me and Wyatt were talking about this. Uh, I, I still like, I wish I could do a sport. And if I had to do it all over again, I, I would have I raced motorcycles. I would have raced go-karts. And I would have raced cars. But also, but in high school, I would have been a soccer player, man. I mean, I still would have wrestled. But I, wonder, I wish I would have played soccer. I mean, back then when I grew up in the 70s in Oklahoma, in 70s early in Oklahoma, we just called, I mean, literally, our football coach said, listen, if you don't, if you don't get it together, get tough, you're going to be over there with those sissies. And he would point to the soccer players. And, um, and, and that's the way we grew up. And looking back on it now, I was like, man, I shouldn't listen to my coach. That's a perfect example. I don't listen to everybody. Have what you think in your heart. But we were, we told, we were told to point and laugh at those guys. And looking at it now, you go, man, I wish I would have played soccer. And these fans are so, man, they go to church, they pray for the team. And, like, the people that the work for the club, they were crying. I thought it was great. It's called The Last Dance, if you look it up, man. And, um, and honestly, with that heavy, heavy English accent, those guys, I mean, it needed, like, subtitles. I mean, see, I watch movies. I watch a lot of Spanish movies, a lot of French movies. And you're going, what the fuck did he just say? You go, well, you know, the team's better. You go, huh? And, and they're English, and I've been to England, and 
I, did, I never encountered anybody with, a, with that hard, is it Cockney? Cockney, right? That hard Cockney accent, is that what they call it? Uh, yeah, well, have you been to England before, Wyatt? Never? You got to go, man. I had a great time. They have a lot of roundabouts. It's like, it's like one big-ass caramel. It's a lot of roundabouts, a lot of roundabouts. And if you miss, if you're going someplace and you miss your exit, you will not get to where you're going for another 45 minutes because you go down to a, the next exit, maybe another 20 minutes, and you got to turn around and come. It's frustrating, but I loved it. I love, I mean, I love being, I heard the, the, the weather's bad, but I went in the summertime and it, it was, it was like, it was a little cold and it was rainy. And then, and then next minute, you know, it's like 70 degrees. I'm sweating my balls off. It, it's weird, man. But I had a great time over there. But yeah. So if you get a chance, watch the last dance, um, Sutherland. I thought it was great, man. I really did. So if you guys watch that. And also, I'm so looking forward to uh, the last dance about the Bulls. That's coming up, I think, this weekend. Uh, by, the time we, by the time you guys start listen, watching, uh, watching this show or listening to me, it's probably going to be either, either over or we're going to be well into it. So I, I can't wait to watch this. It's about the Bulls in the 90s. And I want to see the behind the scenes, more what Michael Jordan was really like and, and what they thought of him and this and that. And uh, I watched the Dennis Rodman 30 for 30. Did you see that, the 30 for 30 with Dennis Rodman? What did you think of it? Did you like it? A lot of people liked it. The reason I didn't like the 30 for 30 with Dennis Rodman. You know, people say that. Here's what I got, I got from the 30 for 30 for Dennis Rodman. Okay, man, you were out there. You were crazy against the grain. But, but here's what made me not like it is you were a shitty father. Now, grow, now I, sometimes I get it. You're growing up. You're trying to get it together. And maybe, you know, like, hey, people in my family, they didn't get together. So that's why the kid is raised by the grandparents or the kid is raised by somebody else. But after a while, once you've established yourself and you made money and he was still a shitty father, yeah. and then he went to the Hall of Fame and gave his speech and started crying about his kids, and you still didn't do anything better. You still were a shitty father. I mean, I, I can't stand shitty fathers, man. And then he's, gonna, then he's an alcoholic. Then he goes and, and he sucks little, uh, what's his name? The dude from North Korea. Uh, look, looks like a little, uh, it looks like Katie Lang. What's his name? Kim Thanked. Kim Jong Young. Um, Kim Jong Un. Yeah. And he goes over here and he basically stands up for him, stands up for Trump, and he's a drunk, makes a fool of himself, but you're a shitty father. I mean, come on, man. Like, I don't care who you are as a person. You can be the most racist person in the world, but if you're a good father, <laughs> but if you're a good father, I'll give you. I'll give you a pass. Like, man, this guy's racist as fuck. He just called me a nigger. But he's a good father. So, I get, you know, but if you take care of your kids, then I, I got to give you a give you a pass. I don't know. Well, maybe not. I, got, if you, I, I mean, if you call me a nigger, but you go, you know, get out of my way, nigger. Hey, son, come over. <laughs> you, you take care of your kids. I don't know. I don't weigh it. I don't know. Maybe I extended myself too much with that one. I don't know about that one. But <laughs> I don't know if that's being a good father. But in that, in that person's eyes, if maybe you're a good father. Like, hey, listen, I'm trying to tell my son what's right and right. What the right is, if it's white, it's right. Isn't that right, son? Yeah, daddy. <laughs> yeah, daddy, you right. <laughs> so, <laughs> then they get together time. They <laughs> <laughs> they light across together. Oh, son, I'll let you light the cross. No, you're the best, daddy. I mean, I don't know. If, if you're together as a family, who knows? I don't know. That took a totally different direction than I wanted. <laughs> but, but, here's the, <laughs> but here's the deal, though, also. And this is what made me mad this week was um, – I posted something as a joke, and this guy, uh, I, I posted a, a, or a Dak, uh, Dak Prescott. It was a meme, and it said, uh, I can't feed my family in $34 million. And this guy was like, um, you know, uh, man, fuck him and whatever. And then he goes, and he says something, he don't know hard times. And I go, oh, he had a white mom in Mississippi. He Trust me, he knows hard times. And this dude was like, what the fuck does that mean? He goes, I, he goes, I'm a Southern boy. I grew up in the South, dirt poor. I lived in the hood. I know about you know, reverse racism. And I got so mad. And I refused to argue with somebody on Facebook. I mean, seriously, you look like an idiot. There, there, there has literally been threads on my Facebook. I just, I leave. Like, I, I'm an instigator on Facebook. I'm like an instigator in hockey. Like, I'll come in and I'll drop. And I know, I know on my feed. I know who's going to respond. I know what they're going to say. And I drop the little bomb and I leave. Like, I know. I, like, I, I have two 
probably three legitimate, I would just call racist uh, uh, friends, Facebook friends, that I had no doubt in my mind they're racist, right? And they'll deny it, but I have no doubt in my mind. Then I have two incognito racists where I call them, I call them functional racists, where we're like, you know, like, they probably wouldn't say it, but you can just tell by some of their responses, and I know them, and I go, yeah, okay. But uh, he said, I know about reverse race, and I go, really? I mean, even though you grew up poor white, don't get me wrong. Everybody's story's different, and I, and I would never, I, I would never uh, discredit what you went through as a person. But at the same time, really, even though you're poor white and you grew up around black people in the hood, don't get me wrong, I'm sure they called you white boy or whatever and probably got in fights. Probably did. I mean, and, and I don't condone that at all. I, I, I think that's bullshit. But at the same time, really, did, did like a whole group of black people show up in dashikis around your house and then they painted a, a burning fist in your yard? Like, you need to get out of here, white boy. And did, you, did, did they like, did they uh, uh, stop you from voting? Did they stop you from eating in restaurants or they act like they didn't see you? So, you know, chill it with that reverse racism bullshit. I, I don't want to hear that shit. Like, I won't discredit your, what you went through, but at the same time, Come on, man. Really, bro? Really? I could tell you some stories, but I'm not going to do that because I'm going to keep it nice and happy. And Man, I'm almost up in my time. I got to end this one and start again, right? Oh, my gosh. So I got to say bye and then start back up? Cut the segment out. Okay, I'm gonna cut the segment. Hey, how you doing, buddy? All right, this dude walked by like that. So I'm gonna cut the segment out here. We're gonna start back up on the BT Tales from a Gemini podcast. We'll be back here in about oh, two seconds. Hopefully. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. I hope you hope you enjoy yourself. Please drop me a line and tell me if you like it. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Hey, what's up, BT, with the Tales from a Gemini podcast even though my producer hates when i say podcast it's a show with wave one media it's a show i say it's a podcast he goes it's a show i say come on man i'm old school it's a podcast it's a show bt okay i'm the boss it's a show i still say podcast anyway tales from gemini um and we were talking man we have great conversation god i love this guy my producer dude really do man we have great conversations cool guy and we were talking about um i told him i said man like every day here i live in indianapolis now and uh, people always say, what? And I used to live, I went from L.A. to Indy. And uh, you don't think that was depressing. <laughs> people always say, what brought you to Indy? And I say, I lost a bet. And they go, yeah. And uh, and and I go, thing, here's the thing about it is, and I always hate, I, I've always hated when people got religious, well, you know, God is the plan, this and that. I go, man, would you shut the fuck up? With I, I've always hated that. But at the same time, it's like, if, if this virus hit while I was in L.A., there's no way in the world I'd survive. There is no way. I mean, I was, I always tell people when I lived in LA, the water was here and I was just, <gasps> it was like waves were coming. And, and finally I go, I got to leave here. I can't do this. Like it got to the point where I was going out to work and I could, and this, this is after I lost my, lost my manager and I would fly out to do a gig and say I'll say I was at a club a week-long club which was in comedy terms that's that's a Wednesday through Saturday or Sunday and sometimes I would get a one-nighter before that and that's where you know going for one night and so what I do is I would get a one-way ticket fly into that fly into the city rent a car drive to that one-nighter and that money from that one-nighter would pay for me to get home and I said I go man this is not making any sense at all man I was barely above water and I'm gonna tell you right now my my strengths, my, I know, I've always said I'm not a very bright person, but sometimes I can see things before, uh, like, I can see dead people. But I, not really like that, but I can see things develop before, uh, before they develop. Like, uh, so I knew my strength was if I had a really good manager or whatever, just, I always say, get me in, get me into the audition room and let me do the rest. And it got to the point I wasn't doing the rest. Like, it got me in. And, man, I remember I had the greatest manager in the world. And she told me, and this is the advice that haunts me till this day. She said, BT, here's what you do. She goes, the road is going nowhere. You're, you're not going to make it on the road. Uh, you're not. You go, what you do is you get a – I know you hate performing here, but performing – and I always hated performing in L.A. It's always industry, and it's like you don't get that laugh like on the road. Like somebody said it best. The road is like that girlfriend. It's like, oh, you can do it. You're the best, and you go, and she makes you pancakes on a Tuesday morning for no reason, and everything you say, she's like, yeah, and she's listening like this. Like she's in a tent, and, you know, she's like the girlfriend, like you should marry, and then it's L.A., 
And L.A. is like that hot ass, just mistress where the girl you want. Like, ah, uh, you don't know why you want it, but that's the girl you want. And you're trying to impress her. And she's like, okay. Like, you you bust your ass. And probably, hey, look, you want to, I rented a Ferrari for the weekend. You want to go for a ride? I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, okay, whatever. And, you know, you go, ah, I can't get this girl to love me. And the road is like, yeah, whatever you do. I'm, I'm, you want to go to the fair? Skip rocks? Yeah, let's go do it. And it's like, that's the girl you should be with, but you really want to impress this girl. So, man, I, I always hated performing in L.A., but my manager said, if you get a day job, you know, forget the road, get a day job. You perform comedy at night around L.A., and eventually it'll pay off. You get a sitcom, you get a following, and then blah, blah, blah. And I was like, nah, I know what I'm doing. I'm a comic. And to this day, that was the biggest mistake I, that haunts me to this day. I just remember when Mad TV came out, and I had an audition, and they said do characters. And at the time, I, I still don't really do characters, but I, I, but I always used to incorporate my dad in my act. And I did an impression for my dad, an impression of, uh, at this time, at the time, nobody really was doing a shack. So I used to do a shack, and I think I did something else. And I remember the girl was like, just, I thought, I thought she was being L.A. fake. She's like, oh, my God. Oh, you're great. And I, I almost stopped my audition going, come on, bitch, I'm, I'm not. Come on, I know it's not that good, but I was trying to do something, right? So she goes, okay, thank you so much. Uh, you know, we'll be hearing from me. I go, yeah, whatever. And I'd be damned. They call me up. They go, hey, you want to um, uh, come in on a Wednesday? I said, yeah, yeah. So I came in on a Wednesday on a callback, and I did the same thing. And this woman was like, okay. She goes, you going to be around? I go, yeah. And I think that audition was on a Tuesday. I think it was on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I go, yeah, I'll be around. But when I say I had to, I mean I had to go to Kansas City. I was, I was literally so broke. That I literally, and I mean it's from the bottom of my heart. I don't know if you guys remember. Do you remember Columbia House? Uh, uh, those Columbia House, you could buy like 12 CDs for a, a penny. Do you remember that? Okay, you remember, you remember, you missed the good old days, Why? There was a time. Do you remember CDs? Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't remember CDs. Okay, you could literally get. Okay, compact disc. There were CDs, and that's where all the music was on. Well, you could order like 12. I think it was 12 for a penny. I don't know how they made money. It was 12. You can order 12 CDs, anything you want, for a penny. I mean, I, I remember ordering like, you know, Life After Death by Big, uh, you know, Biggie and, and everything for a penny. And after that, you had to pay regular price. But after that, you got all you wanted for 12, you know. So you're like, okay, I'm going to discontinue this. It was called Columbia House. Anyway. I was literally was so broke. I literally was selling those CDs back to like uh, to music stores, like so I could get money, so I could eat. And I mean, it's from bottom of my heart. I was eating nothing but ramen noodles for I don't know how long. I mean, I was that broke, and I and I had I had just enough money. I had just enough to go to Kansas City to get a rental car for a weekend, but I would and I would rent it for a day. Okay, I had just no money that they can put it on my card. I didn't have enough money to cover it for the weekend, so I would I would rent it for the day, and then call them up and go, "Hey, listen, I'm gonna uh, keep this car for the weekend." And they go, "Okay," and by then I was I knew I was good, so they, they weren't coming get me. So I had just enough money to get to Kansas City, and I said, "Yeah." So I, I killed that audition, and I just, I remember this to the, I remember this like it was yesterday. It was a sunny day, and it was a was it a Friday? I think it was a Thursday or Friday, and I get a phone call. As my agent, he goes, hey, Mad TV really likes you. I want you to come back in for an audition. I think it was tomorrow. And I go, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm out of town. And they go, okay. And they hung the phone up. And I just remember going, that's it. And, I, man, to this day, that haunts me, man, like you wouldn't believe. It's like missing a game-winning shot. You're a basketball player. Like missing a game-winning shot. And, and your senior year in high school, and that's your last game, maybe the state championship game. And how that would haunt you. That has haunted me to the uh, to this day. And I go, ah. and I mean, I never gotten over that. I mean, I had a gr my manager was great. Like my manager, my manager, I guess I could put it out there. She manages Sebastian Maniscalco, Whitney Cummings, Taylor Thomason, all these great comics. And I was with her in in the inception when she had, you know, like. It's hard to say Rudy Boots or people you didn't hear of, but we were all coming up together. We were young and, and everything. And, man, and she told me that, and I thought I knew I was doing it. And ever since then, that has haunted me. So when I left L.A., it was almost like leaving my dreams. You know what I mean? And so I'm not going to lie, man. The first maybe two or three years I was here, man, I was not in a good place mentally. I was trying to shake it off. Like, I felt like a loser. So now I'm trying to, you know, get it back. 
uh, as far as like, you know, comedy and everything else. And I still, uh, you know, have a positive outlook and everything. But man, that has always haunted me. I just feel like I always say, I want one more shot at, at this business. I still love this business, though. Don't get me wrong. I love the whole thing, entertainment. I love this. Like, even though I have to go to Louisville for, for acting classes, I have to go to Louisville. It's going to be like, once this virus is over, man, it, it, I feel like once this virus is over, it's going to be like the, the Oklahoma land rush, man. You don't remember Oklahoma land rush, do you? Did you guys learn that in school? Oklahoma land rush. What do you guys learn at all? Seriously, what do you know, Wyatt? They were trying to, in Oklahoma, it was Oklahoma land rush. That was when they, they would go stake their claim out on the land they wanted in this territory called Oklahoma. And at the, I don't even know it's called Oklahoma at the time. It was just a territory. And they called them boomer sooners. Okay, and that's what happened. So I think that's what's going to happen. When this virus is over, it's going to be a mad dash to get everything back to normal, which it won't be for, I'm going to say, at least two months. It, it'll look like it on the outside looking in, but it won't be. But anyway, I have to go to Louisville for acting classes. I drive down, I drive an hour and a half for an acting class that lasts maybe an hour, but I love it because I still have that hope. It's really, like I said, man, it's the Anne Frank in me, man. Well, the black Anne Frank in me. <laughs> I just think that, you know, like basically people are good. And if you put it out there and you work hard, something good's going to happen. And that's just how I look at life and everything. So, you know, that's why I'm doing this. And that's, and like I said, I still love the game. Like, and to this day, and I told you this on the first podcast, uh, I downloaded the Louis C.K. Uh, special. I went to his website, Louis C.K., I think, dot, oh, is it .org? Anyway, you'll find it. It's his website, and I downloaded his special. And, and I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. I, I, for some reason, it didn't work. So I downloaded his special twice. It's $7.99. I paid for that twice because I thought it didn't work, and it turns out I, it, I overpaid. But it, it doesn't matter. I watch his special every night, and he's to me, he's just the best comic. And I still watch him. And there's some cringeworthy moments, don't get me wrong, like not even funny, like, okay, man, you need to move away from this topic. And, but he's still the best, and I still write and go and hope, and I just, you know, I want to just grab hold of a nugget, and that's going to be my, and that's going to be my, my gig, basically. And I always felt like an interview, and I want to interview people on this. Like, I really want to interview like uh, racers. God, I would love if I find out Kyle Larson was in here, it was in Indy or whatever. I think I get an interview with him. Like, you think we could say, I would, man, I would love to reach out to him and go, listen, just give me an interview. And I don't, but he's got so many sponsors that it wouldn't be, nobody really tell the truth and they got to skirt around it, give those political answers. Like, oh, come on, man. Like, like when nobody's really watching, you can tell the truth, and I, that's all I want to hear is like, like why, you know? I know I keep going back to that, but I go, why, you know? That's what I really want. So, and I got to figure out my place in this thing, also, man. It's like I'm hoping this takes off, also, because I mean, honestly, I don't really have a backup plan. <laughs> I mean, that's why I hope this works, because I'm getting life late. I'll say it right now, I'm getting life late. Like I'm finally understanding a lot about life. I'm not gonna be um, like it took me a long time to realize. Oh man, like. My roommate has a kid. I love my roommate. Man, I, they, no surprise anybody that knows me or knows my act. My roommate, she's gay. And uh, she had a kid through in vitro fertilization. And, man, I was, and I held that kid in my arms like two hours after he was born. And now I know how, you know, they said, Dad, you just instantly like tear up or whatever. And I remember holding him going, oh, my God. And I was like, oh. And, and it, I just had this feel I never had before. I, and he was, and I, I just remember him going, mm, 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 mm. and I just remember that. And I was like, oh, my God. And I just. I almost start crying. I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let anything happen to you, buddy. I promise. And I just remember, like, I was so nervous to hold him. And I was like, I know how clumsy I am. And I was like, man, don't trip with this brand new newborn baby. And I remember holding him. And I just remember going, okay. And then I just remember, like, my room was right next to his. And, you know, about two o'clock in the morning, you hear him crying. And I never thought I would love to hear a baby cry, but I did. And so now I get it while being a parent. And now I really get it while being a parent. That, that that part of life, I never really wanted to do any of that. Like, my philosophy in life was like, like I said, like an F1 pit stop, where it's like when people got married, they, they go into the pit. Like, you know, you live, you know, your single life, whatever, in the club life, and you, you know, you go into the pit, and that's your life. That's your family life. You have a family. Well, then you get divorced, and then you got to come out of that. And then I'm the racer that's, keep, that's still racing, and then you're coming out of the pit, and we're meeting at about the same time. I mean, like, you lose, and you lose all your money from a divorce. And I really never made any money from comedy anyway, so we're kind, of, we're kind of meeting at the same place. So I skipped my pit stop. I didn't pit. You know, they go, pit, pit, Lewis, you need to pit, Lewis, Lewis, pit, pit, box, box, Lewis, box. Well, I never went into the box. I just said, no, I'm good on these tires. And I just kept, and, that, and now I'm meeting, the, and I'm meeting Sebastian Vettel coming out of the pit around the same time. And that's how my life has been. But now I understand that. Do I want to get married? 
I still don't know about that. I mean, anybody knows me knows, man. My mom and dad used to argue, and that shit affected me so big time. I was like, I don't want any part of this shit. Well, I saw my mom throw bricks at my dad. I remember they were arguing, and my my, my dad chased my mom to a part of the kitchen, and my mom pulled this drawer out. Now, when you were we were latchkey kids, anybody that didn't know what I'm talking about, do you know what I'm talking about with that one? Oh, latchkey kids? <laughs> God damn, Wyatt, what do you, anyway, so that was when your, both your parents worked, and as a kid, you would come home from school, and you basically were inside the house, and your mom told you don't talk, I mean, don't don't touch the stove, because we were kids, so we'd blow the house up, don't touch the stove, she'd leave us out sandwiches or whatever, and you just, basically, don't fuck up until I get home, basically, so so that's what we were, so as a kid, you know, you're curious, you go through all the, the, the drawers, and you know where your dad keeps a stack of dirty magazines, you know all that shit, so my mom and dad are fighting, it was on a, like a Saturday or something, they're fighting, and I remember my dad chased my mom to the kitchen, and she pulled out this drawer. Now, that was a drawer we had been in many times before. And for some reason, this Saturday, my mom had bricks in this drawer. And she started throwing bricks. And I go, and I just remember going, where did those bricks come from? I just remember as a kid going, where did those bricks come from? And I think my dad was like, yeah, where did those bricks come from? Because my dad, my dad, luckily my dad was still young. Because he had me at a young age. So he had those, you know, that, that good uh, reaction time. And he ducked. And I think he was like, yeah, where did these bricks come from? Why she had like, and it was like partial, not like a brick brick. Uh, it was like part, like, you know, when a brick breaks off, she had parts of bricks. Why she had that in that drawer, I have no idea. I just remember her throwing bricks at my dad going, and I go, uh, and my dad ducking, I go, and I, and I just remember going, I want no part of this. I remember seeing my dad, when, when he and my mom are fighting, and my dad like kind of grabbed my mom, and he put her in the garage, and he shut the door. And I remember him, and at the time, when you're a kid, man, your dad is the strongest person you know, and you look up to your dad. At least you should look up to you. If you don't look up to your dad as a kid, something's wrong. That's why I feel. And so, I mean, if he's not, you know, abusing you or whatever, I understand if he's, like, you know, being bad. But if he's, like, you know, he gives you toys and this and that, if you don't look up to your dad like he's your hero, something's wrong. So I remember throwing my mom in the, in the garage, and I remember him turning. And I remember he had these muscles, all those veins or his muscles, man. But he'd look on his face, and he had a tear he wasn't crying, but he had a tear. And he was like, and I just remember going, and that scared the shit. I was maybe six years old, maybe seven, but I saw that, and that put the fear of God in me when I saw that. My dad, the strongest person I know, and he had these veins in his arm. My dad had these big arms when he was, you know, young. And that look on his face, like, like kind of like that look like Michael Spinks had when he fought Mike Tyson. And he looked over and he go, I ain't gonna win this fight. That's how my dad looked, man. And I go, I want none of this. And that and that stayed with me forever. Plus, there's some other shit. And, and honestly, if you're if you're listening to this and you're and you know the number to a psychiatrist or a therapist or counseling, I really think I need counseling just to get over this part. Not like like I feel like I'm gonna you know go off and you know take somebody out of a tune, but like maybe relationship wise, this is what I need somebody to talk to, and maybe that's why I'm doing this because. I said, you know, this relationship fear, like, like I always felt like, and, and this, and this one woman broke me down after a show. For some reason, she saw through me. There's people in life who can see through you, like they have, like, like Superman. They can see through you. They can see through the bullshit. My cousin had, when I lived in L.A., my cousin had this friend, and I felt like I could always tap dance. Some, hey, what's up, man? What's up? And people, ah, oh, what's up, T? And this dude, he would always look at me in a weird way, and he look, and I knew he knew he saw through the bullshit. And very few people in life can do that, but when you meet that person, you know, and they know that they see through you, and you know they see through you. So you got to talk to them a little bit different. You got to go, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? How you doing, BT? Everything good, brother? Like, he just knew I was a piece of shit. <laughs> but I always respected that dude. I love that. I, don't, I forget his name, but, man, I hated seeing him because he knew what kind of person I was. But anyway, and so when we were kids, this is this is the thing. When we were kids, and I remember this lady, she like she came back to my hotel room. She goes, listen. She goes, listen, uh, I'm going to talk to you about who you are, but listen, don't try anything. And I, and, I, and honestly, and I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, but I was like, trust me, you ain't got to worry about that. But <laughs> we went back to my hotel room, and she told me why the way, why the way that I am, and I almost start crying. Because it all, goes, it all boils down to me and my brother on Christmas. We were on Christmas Day, which is the greatest day ever. And my parents always set it out for us, man. We walked down, we would walk down the hall together. Me and my brother couldn't sleep that night. And so he had to go pee because he was so excited. So I, he said, wait for me. I said, okay. So he peed. We waited for him. And we walked down the hall together. And we had to walk side by side. My brother, we had to walk side because he didn't want me to get in there earlier than he was. And we see all the toys laid out. We were like, whoa. And this is what happened. We both got these banks. Uh, you know, piggy banks, but they, but they look like banks. They look like, you know those banks from Fast and the Furious, the one they ordered? How do they order that? How do you order a bank? 
Remember that from Fast and Furious? You've watched Fast and Furious, the one with um, uh, when they went down to Brazil. And they ordered, a, uh, like, they, they were trying to knock over a bank. So they ordered a bank, like, through, I don't know, Amazon or UPA. And they, they, they delivered a big-ass safe. It was a safe. Remember that? They ordered a safe. How do you do that? Anyway, they ordered a safe that could practice safe crack, and they ordered literally a safe. So there was, it looked like that bank. So it looked like that safe. It was a safe. It, looked, it was a piggy bank, but it looked like a safe. And so for some reason, for somehow my brother broke that. And we, I mean, we were, it, had, it was identical. And we broke that. He broke his. And my parents gave me the one he broke and gave him the good one. And, and, I, and that hurt me in a weird way. And from that, and that moment on, I was like, that's really fucked up. That should be his bank because he broke it. But he was the younger brother. I'm, I surmise that's, that's, that's the only reason they get. But when that happened, I don't think I was ever the same after that. Like that kind of made me think I wasn't good enough. So after that, and I, for some reason, I, I equate that to relationships. So that's why I've always been a kind of dude that was like, uh, and I said this on the first podcast, I said this on the first podcast, the first show, where like uh, when somebody tells you how you are as a person, I always felt like I'm better in short doses, like, and I felt that way as a boyfriend. Like like I said, that one girl told me, she goes, you're, you're the perfect short-term birth boyfriend. You come into town, you make me laugh, we have great sex, you take me out to eat, but long-term, you ain't worth the shit. And that's always stuck with me, and I think it was because of those banks. I just felt like my parents uh, loved my brother more because they gave me the shitty bank, and, and they gave him the good one, even though he broke it. And so I always felt like, in short doses, I'm good. I don't like, and I, I think that's my, my uh, what's the word? That's my Achilles heel or whatever. So I don't, and plus, and you got to be around me, but I will wear you down. And I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, anybody knows me, it's been around me for a while. Even why, why it's like, yeah, is this thing going to be over? But that's <laughs> just who I am as a person is, I will wear you down because it is. It's a lot of energy coming at you. I mean, this is me, like at the part of life where I'm supposed to be like, see that dude just shuffle past the window, like he like doesn't give a care about life anymore. That's why. I, that's how I should be. But I'm like this now. So imagine how I was growing up. That's a lot of energy coming at you. So I get that, and I get I talk a lot. Plus I spit when I talk. So I get why you wouldn't really want to be around me for a long time, and I would, and I will wear you down with a conversation or wear you down. I'm better now because I kind of hate people now, but I will wear you down, and so I can get that now. But now I'm more like more of an introvert, where I'm kind of like I don't really want to be around a lot of people unless I'm performing. So I get it now, and I don't really like to, to show who I am. And it's weird because I feel like I'm trying to be a better person in life now. Like there's this comic. Uh, in Indianapolis, and she does comedy, and she's like, I love this girl, I don't know her name, I love her, she's like a feminist, and she's an actress, and she's, you can tell she has goals, and she's like 21 maybe, and she's like really stern feminist, she goes up on stage, and and man, I really, like when I see her, she's one of those people, I don't know why, but when I see her, like I want to be a better person for her, and it's, and, and, but there's no sexual attraction, but it's weird, but I just want to like protect her from everything, all the bad stuff, and like make sure she don't get me too, like hashtag me too, hashtag BT's a piece of shit, like now I want to be a better, and it's weird now to, to be at that part of my life, you know, so I don't, so I think that's, that's me getting life late, you know what I mean? So I don't feel like I'm good enough in a lot of areas in that way. And I think it boils down to the banks. It boils down to my parents. So I think I should talk to a therapist about that maybe. I don't know. But that's the way I feel. And also, um, there's some other stuff. But that, that's basic. That's the basics, I think. I mean, about who I am as a person. You know? I don't know. Maybe if you guys have a, 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 a I don't know. Maybe you want to chime in and tell me. Maybe that's the reason why or whatever. But I don't even know if I need to relate. I say... I don't want a relationship, but let me tell you something. Because of this virus, my roommate goes out to her house in the country with her son because they don't trust me to wipe the house down or whatever or, or be in a safe environment. Because in the country, no offense, but people in the country. And if you watch me on my, funny, on my Instagram, which is funnyman6869, funnyman6869, funnyman6869. If you saw me on Instagram, last weekend I was out in the country riding motorcycles with him. And we passed this house that had a Confederate flag on it. And, and I had like a uh, whatever. Now, I have no problem with that and this dude, but I was always like, you know, like I felt like I could be alone. But let me tell you, when they're gone and I wake up, there's I have no reason or no, I have no feeling or reason to get up and get out of bed. So I kind of I'm kind of like, maybe I need a relationship. You know, maybe I need that. But what woman is going to put up with my, my Gemini, but, but my, my Geminiistic? Is that even a word? Gem Gemini traits. Geminism. My, ge <laughs> my Geminism? My <laughs> what woman?
one's gonna put up with my geminism. Yeah. <laughs> That's a new word. Oh my god, I love it. What woman's gonna put up with my geminism? Yeah, because it's like it's like <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the funniest shit I've ever heard. My Geminism, because I'm a Gemini in every sense of the word. I mean, I do. I love motorsports. I mean, motorsports are number one to me. I love motorsports. I love, uh, <laughs> I love uh, honestly, I told you, it's how stupid I am. My truck, which is right outside and why I can see it, my truck has 402,000 miles on it. And right, and all I think, think about now is I want a dirt bike. That's my thinking. I want a dirt bike. So that's where I'm at. But I want to, like, I'm a motorsports fan. And I have my funny side, but man, sometimes I get really serious. When I'm at home, I get really serious and I get pissed off at the world. And just truth be told, man, I really haven't been into the NFL because of what they did to Colin Kaepernick. And, and, and that's, I'm just being honest. I think that's bullshit. And they try to make, they control the narrative and they make like, like he's the asshole for not standing for the national anthem, but he was talking about police brutality. And no one talks about the innocent uh, men that, that the police have shot and killed. I mean, I get it. Some of those guys may not have been good people, but you shoot somebody in the back and they're unarmed. I kind of got a question. Just answer the question. I mean, seriously. And they, they get tried. I mean, there's videotape evidence of, you know, people get black men getting shot and killed by the cops and they walk and yet still all he did was a silent protest and sat on the knee and people got pissed off and they point the finger at him, but but nobody questioned the cop, those seven cops who strangled and killed that guy in New York, Eric Turner. See, and I now I'm getting pissy. And so, you know, I got that in me, whatever. And so it's like, are you going to be able to put up with all my attitude, my moods, whatever? I mean, you know. And plus, I always say in Indy, I don't know, man. I don't think anybody in Indy would, I don't know. You just never know. So who knows? Maybe I'm, honestly, I think I could, I think I could live my life without a mate if I, uh, I just want a better career, probably a better career if uh, my, my dream here's my dream career i'm gonna tell you right my, my dream now is i want to be a series regular on a television show i want to do comedy on the weekends be a special event at a small theater because theater you read out the riffraff at comedy clubs you get drunk people there and they, they don't kick people out sometimes so it's like and i don't do combat comedy anymore so i don't want to deal with that i want to do a theater you do a theater if somebody has to valet park your car chances are they're not gonna be a drunk going you suck or whatever yeah so you're gonna get deal no riffraff you know have a green room maybe eat before the show one of those nice little you know i get people who i want to open up for me so it's a good vibe backstage maybe have some uh oh my god we're almost done have uh some uh incense whatever just real cool you know like you know like just a real good vibe and we're having the weekends and when i'm not doing comedy or or a show I want to be able to, uh, I want to be able to fly to to, to see a, a MotoGP race or, or thanks or a Formula One race, and that's what I want, man. That's the life I want. And if I don't have anybody in my life, and you know, I can, I can deal with that. I guess I don't know. I mean, I just don't. I'm still wishy washy about how what I, you know personally what I want. I'm so that's the Gemini in me. Living in my body, it's like. But then I don't know what other people go through. Maybe they do, and they just don't express it. I don't know. I mean, you seem wrapped tight, uh, Wyatt, but, I mean, I don't know what you're going through. You know what I mean? You seem wrapped tight, but you were kind of late today. So, I mean, you never know. <laughs> so, I don't But maybe it's my Geminism. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, man, I hope you guys got a, kicked out of, a kick out of this, uh, this, pod, this podcast or my show. I mean, I'm really into this. I really am. Um, and like anything, I have it all written out how I'm going to talk. And then once it starts, I go a whole different direction just because I don't. Um, that's just who I am as a person, man. My brain is kind of scanner bag. But anyway, uh, I want to give a shout out to my buddy, um, a buddy who lost his mom through this virus. And that shit hit me hard yesterday. So, man, please take this virus serious. Please social distance yourselves. And I just, uh, yeah, please be safe. And don't be one of those idiots going, hey, man, it's kind of bullshit. No, it's not. It's, it's killing people. And if you don't, if you're not a doctor, then please, by all means, and, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, please just shut the fuck up on that. And that just pisses me off when people say that. I want us to survive and get through this and we can do, you know, and we can enjoy life. Enjoy life. Maybe, and maybe I'll get it together. So anyway, thanks for listening, man. And uh, maybe I should give an email so they can ask me questions. I guess maybe an email. You can do uh, Instagram DM. Instagram? Yeah, Instagram DM, funny man. 
Okay, yeah. Uh, ask me questions on my Instagram, which is funnyman6869. That's funnyman6869. DM me. Hit me in my DMs on, my, on funnyman6869. I'll do my best to answer your questions. I mean, really, I really do. I got nothing but time. So <laughs> hit me up at funnyman6869, funnyman6869. Thank you for listening to the Tales from a Gemini podcast, and hopefully I will hear from you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.